That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network. You all know, of course, that Hogwarts was founded over a thousand years ago. The precise date is uncertain. By the four greatest witches and wizards of the age. The four schoolhouses are named after them. Godric Gryffindor, Helga Hufflepuff, Rowena Ravenclaw, and Salazar Slytherin. They built this castle together, far from prying muggle eyes, for it was an age when magic was feared by common people, and witches and wizards suffered much persecution. For a few years, the founders worked in harmony together, seeking out youngsters who showed signs of magic and bringing them to the castle to be educated. But then disagreements sprang up between them. A rift began to grow between Slytherin and the others. Slytherin wished to be more selective about the students admitted to Hogwarts. He believed that magical learning should be kept within all magic families. He disliked taking students of muggle parentage, believing them to be untrustworthy. After a while, there was a serious argument on the subject between Slytherin and Gryffindor, and Slytherin left the school. Reliable historical sources tell us this much. But these honest facts have been obscured by the fanciful legend of the Chamber of Secrets. The story goes that Slytherin had built a hidden chamber in the castle, of which the other founders knew nothing. Slytherin, according to the legend, sealed the Chamber of Secrets so that none would be able to open it until his own true heir arrived at the school. The heir alone would be able to unseal the Chamber of Secrets, unleash the horror within, and use it to purge the school of all who were unworthy to study magic. The whole thing is errant nonsense, of course. Naturally, the school has been searched for evidence of such a chamber many times by the most learned witches and wizards. It does not exist. A tale told to frighten the gullible. What's up, potheads? Welcome to the restricted section, in which a bunch of nerds with potty mouths reread the Harry Potter series for the umpteenth time and discuss how the story and its themes have stayed with a generation into adulthood. Thank you for listening. If you haven't done the reading, don't worry, we did it for you. Here's what we are talking about today. Chapter 9, The Writing on the Wall. This chapter picks up where the last chapter left off, with the Golden Trio just gaping at the petrified Mrs. Norris surrounded by the entire school who now thinks they're guilty of murder. The teachers show up, Dumbledore whisks Mrs. Norris away into Lockhart's office and does some investigating and realizes that Mrs. Norris is not in fact dead, she is only petrified, which is actually kind of lucky because Professor Sprout has already started growing the mandrakes that they will need to make the potion to revive her. Filch is still very upset. He wants to see Harry punished for what he thinks is a hate crime against him because Harry knows he's a squib. But Dumbledore insists that Harry and the gang are innocent until proven guilty and lets them go. Harry, Ron, and Hermione try to get back into school. They spend some time in the library. Hermione is looking for a copy of Hogwarts History to read up on the legend of the Chamber of Secrets. But all of the copies are checked out from the library because everyone else in the school has the same idea. So instead, in History of Magic class with Professor Binns, Hermione asks for him to tell them about the legend of the Chamber of Secrets, which he does with some reservation because he prefers fact to legend. But he tells them, 
He tells them about the feud between the four founders and the horror within the chamber. After class, they go back to the scene of the crime, just really guilty, guilty looking stuff. They see scorch marks on the wall. They notice spiders fleeing the scene um, in a straight line. And then they remember that there was water on the floor the night that they found Mrs. Norris, which had come from the flooded girls' restroom. They go into the restroom. They find Mooning Myrtle. They learned that she didn't see anything the night of the crime because she was hysterically upset and sobbing in her stall, which is why the flooding happened. Back in the common room that night, Harry, Ron, and Hermione are talking about how this is all probably the work of Draco Malfoy because he is screaming slurs at every opportunity. So it's a likely, a likely case, but they really need proof. So how can they get proof? Hermione suggests a polyjuice potion, which turns one human into another human. The recipe for that they can only find in the restricted section. Hello, welcome to the restricted section. It's me, your ghost, Christina. Oh, gotcha. That was good, right? I, should, no. I shouldn't point out my own jokes. Okay, well, here we are recording the podcast so stoked to be here andrew how are you doing today i am doing stupendous about yourself i'm doing pretty good thank you for asking mary clay it's been a while since i've seen you last how are you doing yes um it's been a while because listeners i fucked up um several (laughs) weeks ago and don't have to tell everybody (laughs) well no i need to be honest that i'm literally the worst like (laughs) co i don't know co-host of this podcast detention mate i guess of all of you guys (laughs) and i like several weeks ago christina texted and was like so are you ready to record and like two hours or something and i was like uh i am not (laughs) (laughs) i didn't realize i was recording and that was 100 percent by fault and christina was very nice luckily i just know so many nerds who are always down to read harry potter immediately (laughs) so but yeah i'm back oh shit wait i meant to i meant to do a thing where and forget you've already heard my voice okay ready (laughs) guess who's back back again MC's back. Tell a friend. All right, there we go. Okay. Wow, I'm so glad that you stopped the show for <laughs> but that. But more important than me, we have a guest. Wait, wait, Mary Clay, since we've seen you last, you on your very own podcast had a great milestone. You destroyed the ring. Yes, I did. That's I was very like, what? Exciting. <laughs> I thought <laughs> before you said on your podcast, you have a great milestone. Uh, I thought you were going to say, since we last saw you, you have broken your toe. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, that happened, too. How's that going? How's your toe? Uh, My toenail is slowly turning more and more black. Lovely. Just just like my soul. Um, No, yeah, I know how, (laughs) listeners, I know how the ring is destroyed uh, at the time that we're recording this. I have three chapters left in Return of the King. It's so exciting. Yeah. It's so exciting. We do have a very special guest with us today. Claire, if you want to tell us a little bit about what's up, what what you do, what what you podcast, and tell us a little bit about your very hairy history. Yeah. Hi, I'm Claire. Um, I am the host of Forgot to Unpack, a podcast about being a child of divorce. And then my history with Harry Potter. Um, I'm a Slytherin. I didn't read the books in school. 
I remember when the movies were coming out, I was in like elementary school because I'm a youngin. So yeah, I remember when the movies were coming out and I watched those. I didn't go to like release day, but it was just like, yeah. Nice. A, a little bit of a casual affair. I never went to the releases, like the midnight releases of the books or the movies either. And like the dedication with which all my friends did do those things makes me feel like I'm a bad Harry Potter fan. But you know what? I was sleeping happily while y'all were doing that. And, it makes um, me so sad that I never got to do those things because now they don't have midnight releases yeah, anymore. Yeah. I think I went to the midnight release of like maybe Deathly Hallows part one and two. Like I, I think I went to like one or two, but. Yeah, they don't do it anymore. They release them at like six o'clock on Thursday now, which is not as um, exciting. Forgive me because I've been on like different five billion different nerd related podcasts at this point. So I don't know what stories I have and haven't shared. So if you've already <laughs> heard this story, forgive me. But I thought that it was normal for books to do midnight releases. Mm. Like I thought it mm-hmm. like I thought that was the the norm for all books that you, or at least like fantasy series or something like that, that you you go to Barnes and Noble at midnight and everyone has a little party and cheers. And I was waiting for the release of Allegiant, the last in the Divergent Shh, series. Don't, do not say the name of that book on my and podcast. And I was like Google searching and was like, oh, Bart, like Barnes and Noble allegiant midnight release parties and nothing was coming up and i was like oh i i i guess they that that doesn't happen oh oh, it's for the best (laughs) that book made me want to die and not in a good way but that's okay that's okay because we're not we're the you know mm? (laughs) really quick wow uh, really quick christina what is the good way to want to die Okay, so when you get to the end of a book like All the Light We Cannot See, and it's about World War II, and it's so tragic, and you go on this big emotional journey with these characters, and there's so much meaning, and in the end, everyone dies because it's World War II, and then you close the book, and you're done, and you're like, I want to die because I have given all, oh, yeah, well, everyone died. I mean, whatever, it's not a spoiler, everybody dies. (laughs) World War II. Um, Hitler dies. I've already given away that spoiler uh, on the show before. Okay, so that's like a great I want to die. But when you get to the end of a three book series that you've been waiting for, for years and years, and the author just destroys everything that the series ever gave to you in one fell swoop, I have a lot of feelings about to put it. In, <laughs> to put it into context, the the book was so bad that they just never made the movie. Like they made, they made the movie adaptations for the first two ones in the, in the series. And then I think they made a, an allegiant, I think it was supposed to be like allegiant part, part one. It was like straight to TV. And and they never, no, I know that (laughs) it was in theaters because I made one of my friends go with me. because I was so excited to see it. Cause I honestly, I didn't, um, I didn't hate Allegiant very much. Like I, I, I enjoyed reading it a lot. Um, I don't think I would reread it, but <laughs> I enjoyed it. So I was like, Oh, I want to go see the movie. And I dragged one of my friends with me and it got to the end of the movie and spoiler alert for Allegiant. 
Triss was still alive. And I was like, that's not how this goes. <laughs> and then I like Google searched it and found out that was supposed to be part one. And then they just never made the part two. I think they were, <laughs> I think my memory is that they were trying to like get part two as like a made for TV. And then everyone was like, or we could just like go home. Yeah, Shailene Woodley <laughs> was like, I'm... She's like, I'm proper famous now. I have big I'm things done. to do with Reese Witherspoon and Nicole Kidman. Let it just be said. So- last thing I'm going to say about Allegiant is that when you set up your whole main character for three books and you're like, I'm independent, like, I am me, I'm special, and then you murder her and in, like, the, the 11th hour you kill her and then it's like, it's okay because her boyfriend learned a lesson from it. Fuck that. Okay, we're moving on now. We're here to talk about the writing on the wall, which is chapter nine of Chamber of Secrets. It's a very, um, there, a lot of stuff happens. Like if you ask me for like a one sentence summary, I don't think I could do it. Um, which is why at the beginning of this episode, you had to listen to my much longer summary of the chapter. The last chapter, the death day party ended on a total cliffhanger of the trio being in the classic wrong place at the wrong time. They were following classic. Harry's voice in his head. And they like came across Mrs. Norris petrified in the hallway and for and there was the writing on the wall, the name of this chapter, enemies of the air beware, the chamber of secrets has been opened or vice versa, I can never really remember. And then the whole school showed up for some reason, even though that doesn't make sense geographically. So this chapter starts with that. <laughs> this chapter starts with... Ron and Harry and Hermione just kind of looking stupidly around at the whole school being like, what a pickle we found ourselves in. (laughs) And then Filch arrives and immediately loses his fucking mind because he thinks Mrs. Norris is dead. He starts weeping. He doesn't even go to her, you know, he like backs away and starts like weeping. And we've said before, one of our theories on this podcast is that Mrs. Norris is one of Filch's family members, maybe like a like a mother or a sister or a, a, a wife or something who got like stuck in like Animega State or is being like cursed or something. So I think that the grief he shows in this chapter, like really, I think that supports. What I that's um that's a really cool theory. I uh, thought you were gonna say that the theory was that Mrs. Norris is one of Filch's Horcruxes. Doesn't <laughs> 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 he? He can't even do good magic. Um, He's not going to do bad magic. (laughs) Yeah, so he's so sad. And Dumbledore shows up. Thank God we really need um, someone to guide us through this terrible, terrible moment. Well, is here to make it okay. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I like how Filch just immediately is like looks at harry and is like murderer (laughs) he's very well okay so but because he thinks harry has like a motive and we'll get to that a little bit later when it comes up um when they're talking later um but yeah he definitely thinks it's harry and for for kind of good reason so dumbledore shows up like the wolf in pulp fiction he fucking handles it he's like he snatches the cat down from the torch and is like everybody go back to your common rooms you three come with me um lockhart is like my office is closest also i love being involved in stuff let's do this in my office (laughs) (laughs) so um so dumbledore the trio filch mcgonagall snape and lockhart they all go to lockhart's office um Real quick, I want to say how disappointed I am that, uh, I, so I'm reading the illustrated edition 
Mm-hmm. And I was severely disappointed that there wasn't an illustration of the writing on the wall. There isn't an illustration of, you know, I was picture, you know, like in the movies, you know, br- stone wall and like dripping blood writing. The Chamber of Secrets has been opened. Enemies of the air beware. And I think that's so weird that this is such a ma- and like the title of the chapter is writing on the wall. Yeah. I just thought it was weird that there wasn't an illustration for that, but whatever. I've always, kind of, I've always kind of wondered if J.K. Rowling might, excuse me, I've always kind of wondered if that bitch maybe want, thought that she <laughs> went a little too far with how graphic this part is. Because, like, as far as, like, descriptions, the fact that it's written with cat's well, blood on the wall, like... well. Uh, hang on, I will say... I don't say, think it's cat's blood, technically. It doesn't. Um, I went back and read... Or it's chicken the, blood, right? Mm, it was like pig blood. I think we find that out later, maybe, but... I think we find the, it out later. In the previous chapter, roosters, there is yeah. no description of what the writing looks like. Because I thought... I was oh, like, yeah. Does it say, like, red, like, shimmery red or dark red writing? It just says, foot-high words had been daubed on the wall... Dabbed, dab. Sorry, I just dabbed. <laughs> um, between two windows, shimmering in the light cast by flaming torches, and that's it. So there is technically no, there's no description of it being blood. So I think that's an interesting interpretation by the movie producers and set designers that they're like, you know what, it's going to be blood. <laughs> well, and okay, de- that definitely was like a a, a choice for shock and awe. And I think that we may be conflating uh, details because Ginny definitely is murdering chickens, but it's because the mm-hmm. roosters, because the basilic fears the roosters like yodel. What's it called? Cockadoodle do. It doesn't like that. It doesn't like the cock. Is it really confirmed that Ginny has been going out and killing the chickens to ward yeah. off the basilisk? Yeah. yeah. She she talks about, I, I vividly remember later, she's like, I came to with, like, chicken feathers all down my front. And Alrighty, I, then. I, yeah, I'm pretty sure Hagrid is talking about it, all the chickens. I know, because I remember, yeah, I remember the chickens being murdered, but I just thought that was, well, then again, I guess the basilisk couldn't just, like, slither out to... Let me go murder these chickens yeah. that I'm okay, terrified anyway, of. Sorry, I've like totally derailed us. So <laughs> we're moving into thing. we're going into Lockhart's office. We're going into Lockhart's office. Um, <clears throat> I enjoyed this quote. As they entered Lockhart's darkened office, there was a flurry of movement across the walls. Harry saw several of the Lockharts in the pictures dodging out of sight, their hair in rollers. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Like even his portraits are vain and ditzy. Well, it brings Girls up- don't come naturally. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was gonna yeah, say, you d- can't just have that natural curl. It's got to come. It opens up this whole possibility of a hellish existence of being a portrait, where it's just years and years and years and years and decades, an eternity until that portrait gets destroyed, of having to do all of the hard work of being a human, but not being able to do any of the fun stuff. Yeah. So literally, all you got to do is keep like keep yourself looking good. You gotta, you you gotta keep going. But unless you're in a portrait specifically with food, you're probably never going to be eating. Yeah, I'm definitely very interested in in like. Well, don't forget that you can travel to other portraits and maybe eat stuff from other portraits. Um, but I I am definitely interested in like 
the like exactly how the portraits work because as we've seen like here and with Harry's like photograph of um of himself with Lockhart where he's like trying to get out of the frame because he's embarrassed um and like some other examples we see they I mean it definitely is like an imprint of a person's personality so I it's very interesting to me like how do these get made and like what how do they get the essence of that person especially if you like take a photo like non-consensually of someone who like doesn't know like how do you get that person in the picture um i also haven't been on since i theorized on twitter as like as we're talking about the portraits and you know moving portraits and stuff reminded me do you think i theorized on twitter that tattoos in the wizarding world should move Mm, mm -hmm. and i was like what would you get if you could get a moving like wizard tattoo (laughs) oh that would be really cool yeah Yeah. but not like a stupid like game of thrones dragon but like a badass like anime japanese dragon so would you want it just like flying or would you want it like breathing fire or something i think just flying (laughs) i'm a water sign it's a water dragon. <laughs> you want to wa- watch me make my tattoo dance? Just kidding. You don't have to do anything because it moves on its own. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I always say I'm going to make my bice- my quote bicep tattoo dance, but it's like on my bingo wing, so I just like shake my arm fat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a crab. Okay, so Lockhart stands back to let Dumbledore assess Mrs. Norris. So he literally does possess at least some amount of like respect and deference. He's like, this is crazy. You got this, Albus. Doesn't stop him from running his fucking mouth the whole time. And he's like, oh, I've definitely seen this before. She's 100% dead. It looks like she was killed by a vampire or something. Which is why it's even more hilarious when Dumbledore is like, she's not dead. She is not in fact dead. Yeah. yeah um, so Dumbledore is assessing Mrs. Norris like very closely. It says Snape is trying hard not to smile. Why do you think that line was in there? Like, what is he trying not to smile about? Let's be honest, Snape loves the suffering of others, and he's about to see Gilderoy look like an absolute fool. Interesting. I, I think he, he's like, all right, let's see how much this guy is going to make himself look like an idiot, because we know it's going to happen. It's always a countdown until Lockhart makes himself look so like an idiot. So you think it's about Lockhart, not about Mrs. Norris, and not about Harry being in trouble. What do you think, Claire? I think it's about Harry and the, them, because like they know that Harry was there first, so... Like, that just seems like Snape trying to blame Harry for another thing. Yeah, ready to see him get his comeuppance. Always so ready. Yeah, whenever Snape is, like, doing something weird, my brain always first goes to, like, he must be mind-reading something in this situation that, like, I'm not pick- like I'm not sure of. Oh, I wa- yeah. What do you think Snape sees in Lockhart's brain? Oh, my God. It's either the absolute darkest thing you could ever possibly imagine, Or Lockhart has convinced himself to the point that it's literally just like a museum of pictures of himself. Oh, my God. Because that might just be what he honestly thinks of himself at this point. He might be that much of just a constant habitual liar where he just believes all of his own shit. We've talked a lot about what Lockhart's deal might be. He might be 
so tortured by like a life of secrets and he might be like closeted and he might be an idiot or all of these things (laughs) i haven't gotten to share like my my thoughts on on lockhart yet okay do tell and i think i think that's giving him so much credit and obviously you know obviously it's fun to theorize and be like oh he's closeted or, or whatever i think he is just such a typical straight white male Mm. (laughs) and is just such a making such a fool of himself and is so pretentious and egotistical that he is just in love with himself and that there is no because there we all know we all know people where it's like it's not that deep man like yeah you're no you're you're about as deep as a a pond in a golf a mini golf course (laughs) And that's what I think it is with with Lockhart. And as much as as much as you know, we're you know JKR is canceled. Fuck her, whatever. I do think it's really funny because she said that she based Lockhart on a real like a I think it was a mentor or a professor or something that she had ah. that she had like encountered in her life earlier, and she based Lockhart on him. And I just think that's hilarious. And what incredible shade to throw at <laughs> and she's always been like this person knows who they are <laughs> but they i won't say who it is <laughs> if you're friends with writers you better behave that's all i'm saying because they gonna write you okay so dumbledore's checking out mrs norris lockhart is spouting just like talking so like word vomit of everything that he could possibly think maybe happened to mrs norris deeply deeply obnoxious all his portraits are nodding along with him. It's like so fucking funny. They're agreeing. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Filch is sobbing. It says Harry couldn't help feeling a bit sorry for Filch, though not as sorry as he felt for himself, which I think is really douchey because Filch thinks his cat is dead. Ugh. Ugh. Harry just is a little bit of a stupid boy sometimes. And I mean that more as, like, a stupid child than, like, a stupid male. But also, that's just Harry, right? He never quite gets the situation he's in. Dumbledore's, he's, like, muttering strange things. He's tapping Mrs. Norris. And finally, he says, she's not dead, Argus. Argus is a name from Greek mythology. Argus in Greek mythology is the giant with many eyes. He has, like, hundreds of eyes all over his body. He's, like, the watcher. And I think that's pretty interesting because Filch is like the watcher. And especially mm-hmm. with Mrs. Norris, it does kind of feel like he can see it like the whole school at once. Cool. So, so she's not dead. She's been petrified. Ah, oh, thought so, said Lockhart. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, it's really obvious to Dumbledore that no second year could have done this. This is advanced dark magic. Like definitely Harry didn't do this. So that's good. Because a second year could pick up a cat and break its neck, but that is not what happened here. <laughs> but Filch really thinks Harry did it. He, I think, I'm pretty sure he thinks it was a hate crime since Harry recently learned that Filch was a squib, right? A hate, it had, it, I mean, that's what, like a hate crime. Yeah, I was gonna say, is that what? Because like in my brain, I'm trying to think how Filch is thinking in this yeah. moment, where he's like, okay, Harry found out I'm a squib, and his natural next step is to murder my cat okay um and i'm trying to think like how did filch get from point a to point b and be like yeah "Yeah, this make this makes complete sense i think filch probably is just really ready to be like he's just like always on the defense i'm sure he's he's encountered a lot of 
terrible prejudice throughout his life. And so he's just really ready for these shitty kids who are shitty about everything. And Harry is notoriously shitty about a lot of stuff. He tracks mud all over the school. That's nice, you know? but he's not, he's not <laughs> shitty on purpose. Good but lord. But Filch doesn't know that. It's like, I, I don't know if y'all had bullies in high school. I didn't really have bullies, but people definitely said stupid shit to me. And I was just like always ready to fight. You know what I mean? Before you even said anything. It's a far jump between tracking mud and killing a cat. Yeah. So I feel like... <laughs> Not to Filch. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, he loves that cat. So he outs himself as a squib. I don't know how much of the faculty already knew this, but he's like, he knows I'm a squib. That's why he did this to me. And I, I, I have a feeling you. there's no way you wouldn't know. Because think about what his job is. It's literally, yeah. like, of all the jobs besides teaching, it's the worst job to have if you are not magical. Because you're just cleaning, like, a Cleaning bubble. other people's shit. Yeah, all also, the time. Surrounded by people who could just, like, boop, it's done. It but no, your ass <laughs> has to, like, actually mop and shit. That's what I was going to say is, I'm assuming it was Dumbledore who gave him this position. I don't know, maybe the previous headmaster did. But... I'm assuming Dumbledore gave him this p- this position as like a kindness to be like, okay, you're not technically a part of the wizarding world, but we're still going to let you be a part despite you not having magical abilities. Like we're going to let you into our club and you can come hang. But he gives him the worst. Like it's a giant. Hogwarts is a giant fucking castle. Can you imagine? I can barely manage to clean my like, two by five bathroom on a regular basis but like what else would he do i think there are i think there are better like non-magical jobs to have but i think it would have to be like outside of hogwarts yeah that's what i mean is it just wouldn't be at hogwarts yeah i'm like i'm so in that regard i'm kind of like dumbledore you're an asshole like he could just work (laughs) he could run the leaky cauldron yeah like that's just, like a lot fixing easier. drinks and cleaning a really small I always think about Filch <sighs> at the end of the very last movie after the bottle I of Hogwarts that. he just starts like sweeping with a push broom and it's like obviously that's not the first step <laughs> <laughs> but I love the implication of that scene because <laughs> it implies that like there are all these magical people who could wave their wand and repair the walls but they're like no we gotta we gotta let Filch do that <laughs> <laughs> so stupid oh alright so Snape says maybe Harry was just in the wrong place at the wrong time and he really means it he's sincere obviously there's no there's no catch to this just kidding there is he's like but why were you there why weren't you at the feast and Harry says we were at nearly at the snake's death day party it sucked and we left so Snape is like why didn't you come eat it? There probably wasn't any good food for you at the death day party. Obviously Snape's been to a death day party before. Cause he knows there's only rotted fish and moldy peanuts. So Ron be like, we weren't hungry as his stomach is like actively <laughs> growling, <laughs> which the scientific word for that is borborygmus for those who may not know. That would make a great Harry Potter spell. Yeah. Borborygmus. I'm not hungry anymore. Yes. 
Oh my god, Ron would love that spell so much. Yes. <laughs> no, no, you cast that spell and it makes someone's stomach rumble. Like whoever you cast it on, it's like a very obnoxiously <laughs> As a loud distraction. Yeah, like a comically loud, like everyone looks and they're like, whoa, no. <laughs> <laughs> so embarrassing. <laughs> also, isn't it kind of funny if you think about it? If they had been honest here, like if Snape had gotten his way and Harry had to tell them what he was actually doing. The rest of this movie is, or this rest of this book is kind of like, it's kind of solved. Yeah. Because I think between McGonagall, Snape, and Dumbledore, and let's not forget Lockhart, he's there too. <laughs> you're looking at the, you got something petrified, you got blood, you're going to figure out it's rooster blood soon. Uh, and Harry's hearing this thing, and very soon you're about to learn that Harry's a parcel mouth. And I think that, like, given that, they'd be like, oh shit. It all points to Basilisk. It's the Yay. fucking Harry Potter tragic flaw of like, let's make sure that none of the adults have the He's crucial so information. <laughs> dumb. God. I'm like, Snape, I feel like Snape like should be able to put the pieces together a little bit better because he can, he, he knows that Harry didn't do this thing, but he also can tell in Harry's stupid little brain that he's been, like, he can read that Harry's been hearing this voice. So, well, as Snape, oh, I he, guess, yeah. Even if I didn't want to be like, little Harry, what's going on? I would still, as Snape, be like, well, I'm a fucking adult in this institution for children. Right. I should probably try to figure this out. Talk to Dumbledore. Talk to Minerva, my friend that I hate. Well, the real answer here is that J.K. Rowling, when she was writing Chamber of Secrets, hadn't come up with this ability, this oculumency yes. thing. So Snape, at this point, does not know that Harry is hearing voices or it anything. Would, it wouldn't be oculumens; it would be a uh, lid. Legitimens. Yeah. Let's be honest too. If we think that Dumbledore wouldn't be doing the same damn thing, you're crazy. Yeah. Basically, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Well, also, the other thing <laughs> is that if we just put it all way, if we always put it down to like, oh, well, Snape knows the truth because he can read everyone's minds. These but the series is a lot shorter. Yeah, that's you know? true. So, yeah. Do we have we ever known Snape to make the best adult decision in these books? Yeah. Not even <laughs> once. <laughs> um Also, while we're on the topic of talking about, like, Harry hearing the voices and and everything, um, I just want to bring up how when I was a child, um, let's see, let me think, I was, how old was I when I, when the Chamber of Secrets movie came out? I don't know, 12, 13, no, I was younger than that, I don't know. Okay, whatever, I was a child, and (laughs) the Chamber of Secrets movie came out, and my favorite thing to do was to pretend I was the basilisk. And, like, my favorite lines to quote from the movie, especially because it was, like, what they played in the trailer and the commercial and for the movie so much was the Basilisk voice going, like, (laughs) come, let me rip you, let me tear you. (laughs) So here's me, like, 10-year-old me being, like, kill, (laughs) kill. Oh, so you were that kind of a kid. You were the creepy kid where the babysitter's like, little Mary Clay, today? and you're just muttering about murder. Just laying under your beds, making that terrible kill. I think I know where she is, but I am not looking. <laughs> all right. All right. Ron said we didn't come to the feast because we're not hungry, which is an obvious lie. 
Snape says Harry is not being truthful and should probably just get banned from Quidditch until he's ready to tell the truth. <laughs> Professor McGonagall, like, shut up, Snape! Not fucking having that. The cat wasn't hit over the head with a broomstick. <laughs> I also don't see even one single ounce of cat to cat empathy in this scene from Professor McGonagall. <laughs> So she's like, that's a cat. I'm a professor. I think that's because when she is in her animagus form, she and Miss Norris throw hands. Or rather, (laughs) they throw paws. Wait, cats do fight a lot. Yeah. She knows knows just how fucking annoying Miss Norris is. (laughs) Oh my god, literally, like, the students are walking down the hall, and, like, Mrs. Norris zips by, and then, like, another cat just follows her at, like, 100 miles per hour, and Ron and, and then Hermione, like, was that fucking around the corner? <laughs> around the corner, you just hear, <laughs> <laughs> and then like from around the corner walks out Professor McGonagall, smoothing her bra- her bun down, being like, sometimes it just gets the better of me. <laughs> oh, okay. Um. So then Dumbledore says, Harry is innocent until proven guilty. I, they know, I, they, no one ever is like, maybe it was Ron or Hermione. No, was it Harry or was it, it was not Harry? Harry? <laughs> He's innocent until proven guilty. Filch is belligerently upset. He's like, no, I want to say some punishment. So Dumbledore's like, don't even worry about it, bro. I've, I'm very well versed in conflict resolution. So let me tell you this. I'm gonna. Professor Smout, Sprout is growing some mandrakes. <laughs> She's growing some mandrakes. When they're mature, we will be able to revive Mrs. Norris. And then Lockhart is like, I will make it. And Snape, Isley, is like, I believe I am the potions master at this school. And I think everyone needs to commit to putting down Lockhart that swiftly and forcefully every single time that he oversteps. Because so far we've seen him bothering Professor Sprout for sure, and she was tolerating him as a Hufflepuff would, but she really should tell him to fuck off. And who else did he bother? He's bothered some other people, I kind of forget. I mean, yeah, I was going to say, do you want a list? Or- <laughs> <laughs> well, let's so, be honest, him as a person just offends Minerva McGonagall to her bones. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yeah. Just a, just an idiot. So Dumbledore dismisses Harry, Ron, and Hermione. They start walking back to the common room. Harry is like, should I have told them about this voice? And Ron is like, no, dude. Absolutely fucking not. This is another moment where in the transition from book to movie, they gave a lot of smart um, Ron lines to Hermione. They gave everyone smart lines, and including teachers and Ron. <laughs> All of Ron's smart, for sure, gets to be Hermione's. Um, and because here he said, because uh, he said, yeah, Harry says, do you think I should have told him? And Ron says, no, hearing voices no one else can hear isn't a good sign, even in the wizarding world. And it's and like, he knows that, like, Hermione might know that in theory, but Ron has been there. Mm-hmm. And well, like, thinking back on it in the movie, when Hermione says it, you immediately should be like, Hermione, what do you know about that? Like, yeah. you don't know, you don't know what's traditional and what's yeah. normal in the wizarding so world. Stupid. <laughs> so stupid. It, 
it also shows a certain amount of uh, maturity on Ron's part to like recognize, look past his own upbringing, be able to see like Harry doesn't know if this would or would not be normal. Yeah, definitely. So I do like that, especially in these first couple books, Ron gets to do a lot of explaining. He gets to know a lot of things that the other people don't know. And I think that makes it harder in later books when he kind of is like, oh, I don't have any real skills. I'm just, I'm just fun. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Poor Ron. I like this line when they leave to go back to the common room. Uh, the clock chimes and Harry says, Midnight, we better get to bed before Snape comes along and tries to frame us for something else. Yep. Yep. Also in that scene, Harry asks Ron what a squib is. Um, and I just like, I like to note that Ron laughs and then is like, actually, it's not funny. And I'm like, that's pretty <laughs> mature of you. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty spot on for Ron to laugh and then be like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> It's like if you were telling, if someone was like, wait, what's diarrhea? And <laughs> and you're trying not to laugh, but the reason they're asking is because, like, the person you hate the most was like, oh, I can't come, I can't come to work today, I have diarrhea. <laughs> and the person next to you is like, what's diarrhea? And you're like, it's not funny, but... <laughs> but sometimes it is. <laughs> but it's funny when the person you hate it has Yeah. It, so. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so they go back to the common room. When then we kind of move to like a little bit of a passing of time section. Um, the school is all gossiping about the attack on Mrs. Norris. We get back into the school routine. Filch starts pacing by the scene of the crime. He can't get the writing on the wall to come off, no matter what he does by hand. I don't know if any magic has ever been used on it, but he can't get it off. Again, poor Filch. Poor Filch. He's in a terrible mood. He's, like, stomping around the school, trying to put kids in detention for really dumb shit, like, quote, breathing loudly and looking happy. <laughs> He's, like, heartbroken, I think. Oh, Mrs. Norris is his, mo- his mom, or his wife, or his sister. I hope it's, it's not his mom or, or sister. I'm sorry. Or his, fussy, his me. fussy boyfriend. <laughs> or that, okay. I feel like it's a significant other. That tracks like as a significant other. Yeah, especially yeah, the intensity of his like caring for her. Mm-hmm. Ginny is apparently very affected by this event because Wonder acor- why. according to Ron, she is a great cat lover. <laughs> do you think she knows at this point? Like, what do you think Ginny like what is Ginny's status right now? Jenny would at this point, Jenny is I think she's fully aware. Because enough stuff has happened where she has lost it because remember when she describes it later to Harry what it's like being possessed. Yeah. It's having this these periods of time that you can't account for at all. Mm-hmm. And that's what she's going through right now, is that she cannot account for all this stuff. This would be right I mean, like I said, I'm pretty sure she's woken up with the chicken feathers at this point, which is why she made the connection like oh no i did this and that's why she feels so guilty she's like harry's gonna get kicked out of school it's not once again she's not actually worried she is worried about harry but the reason she's worried is because she's guilty thinking that she's the reason that he's going to get kicked out it's crazy i can't imagine like having these things happening to me thinking i was basically having like a psychotic break Mm -hmm. in my first year of school like 
with my crush around. So many things. Mm. Poor, poor Ginny. Um, and then, so Harry one day goes to try to find Ron in the library. He runs into Justin Finch Fletchley, who abruptly turns and goes in the opposite direction. That's like kind of new to Harry, but I, I think we all know it's because Justin thinks he might be the heir of Slytherin, right? Even though the whole duel thing hasn't happened yet, he really is just being like a dick about it. Yeah. Well, also from Justin's perspective, he's a muggle-born. He doesn't know a lot about... He probably doesn't know... You know, he's like Harry, where he doesn't have that full background information about the Wizarding World. He only knows what other people tell him about the Wizarding World. So imagine you're in your house, and then everyone else is like, Yo, I'm pretty sure Harry's a Nazi, and you're and you're next, and it's like okay, okay. I guess I'll, I guess I'll I'll be more careful there. <laughs> but like this was before any like Muggleborn was like targeted entirely. Like I know I, don't, I think it's Draco's oh. fear mongering though. Yeah, because like, how much is this boy talking to Draco first mm-hmm. of all, and then mm-hmm. like, do they know that Muggleborns are being targeted yet? Well, yeah, that's rem- true. That's a good point. Well, remember when they go to check out uh, a little bit later when they go to check out the history of Hogwarts? Um, every copy's me, been checked out. Hogwarts a history. A his- excuse a history. me, Hogwarts a history. Um, every copy's been checked out, and if any, if there's any group of people on this planet that would be freely sharing of knowledge like that, it would be the Hufflepuffs. One of them would have gotten it and been like, "Everyone, enemies of the air." That's who it means. Beware. Like, beware. Like, yeah, all I y'all. Think, <laughs> I think that, like, even if people aren't able to find the legend of the Chamber of Secrets, if they do a little bit of research into the four founders, they would be able to figure out that Slytherin which is, was a purist. Which is why I think it's so funny later on when when uh what's his face professor Benz tells that you know origin story of hogwarts ron is like oh i i you know i knew that slytherin was racist i didn't know it went all the way back to salvasar slytherin and it's like yeah ron like where do you think it like how did you not know this (laughs) it kind of reminds me i mean when i was a kid and i was learning american history i was like none of this has anything to do with anything why are we learning about the civil war (laughs) it's over like and it's like no it's so not over i understand so much more now all right, let's get there. Let's get there. Well, isn't there a weird thing too? The fact that everyone assumes that Harry is like going to be out to get the enemies of the air, and yet one of the only two people he ever seems to hang out with in the entirety of this community is a Muggleborn. Wizards are all about the drama. Yeah, <laughs> they are so especially, willing. They're so willing to vilify people, especially Draco Malfoy. Draco yeah. Malfoy. He is all about the drama. Yeah. So, so they're in the library. Hermione appears and tells them she's been looking for Hogwarts history to research the Chamber of Secrets, but it's all checked out. There's like whatever, 10 copies or whatever she says. They're all checked out. So, RIP. <laughs> they go, they go to the history of magic class next. Um, have we met Professor Bins before? I don't remember. If I don't we met him. I don't in think our, so. In year one. Cause they, cause I, Professor Benz is one of my like favorite professors just because of this like origin story for him. And it's so, again, we hate JKR, but. 
But the story of him and like how he came to be the ghost teacher is very humorous. It's very funny. It's like the definition of irony. Yeah, I feel he like. um is so like he is so dull and boring and like everyone hates his class. And I think that's so fitting for like how he came to be where he is now because he fell asleep and then just <laughs> died in his sleep and didn't realize it. Never noticed. <laughs> and got back up as a ghost and continued on to class. And so, I just think that's great. <laughs> so I was thinking about this earlier and it, it I had to laugh because it's the most Dumbledore thing in the world to be like, well, of course you can still teach your class. And it's like, why? Why not just do a separate class with a teacher that's actually like, you know, a good teacher? It, the way they describe Ben's, he's not going to notice if no one is in his class. His ghost can like keep doing the lecture to literally no one. And you can be like, you can take, you can take the he's Ben's on, class. He's on autopilot. Yeah, or you can take Dr. Roberts, who's like cool <laughs> and young and really into the thing. And, you know, he's going to teach you well. Or you can take the traditional Ben's history of magic. One of my favorite, I don't know, like side head canons of all of the things that have come out of the out of the Harry Potter books, the main ones in the mobile app game, when you mm. are in the um, what, history Hogwarts of mystery, right? Yeah, that. Yeah. Um, when you are in the history of magic class, the so when you're in all the other classes, the activities and the tasks are like um, take notes, practice spell, like listen to teacher. But when you're in history of magic, it's like play exploding snap. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like uh, take a nap. <laughs> yeah, take a nap. Pass notes. Prank, uh, prank Professor Bins with yeah. talks. Like, it's all this, like, funny, silly stuff because everyone Wait, it's in the with, class um, is It's with Peeves. That's a real thing. Peeves, like, takes on Professor Bins yeah. form and, like, pretends to teach the class. Okay, that's a yeah. pretty fun game. Okay. So I love that headcanon that History of Magic, like, is so, like, Professor Bins has such a zero idea of what is going on in his classroom that you can like just play exploding snap and and which take a by nap the way it's not explodes yeah, yeah. Like. <laughs> so it's yeah. basically a study hall with a lecture going on in the background yes. yeah for yeah, ambient exactly. noise some like they, white noise to put you to sleep yeah they give it to you just so you have a free period every once in a while because they know you're gonna fail but every once in a while, you might need to get that last essay in for uh, potions before you, you know, you go in there and fail again. So let's make sure <laughs> you just fail history of magic because everyone does. <laughs> so in class, Hermione interrupts the lecture <gasps> to ask about the Chamber of Secrets. And Harry is like, you could tell from the look on Professor Ben's face that he had never been interrupted in all his days. <laughs> like, no one ever asks a question. In yeah, because the they're like, please, just get to the fucking end of it. <laughs> so, he says no, because he only handles facts in this class, not legend, but Hermione persists, which, Hermione gets a little spicy in this book, I like it. And just like a note of interest that throughout the rest of this scene, he gets literally everyone's name wrong in a hundred different ways. Every, I love it. Every time, every time <laughs> he talks to Hermione, he calls her by a different wrong name. He decides to tell them about the legend because everyone is like suddenly paying attention to him. And he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I guess I'll do this crazy thing. So he starts with the founder's story of Slytherin, Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw, and Gryffindor. Um, he talks about how they founded the school together and like each house had different values, but Slytherin 
couldn't just be Slytherin house. He wanted couldn't to be, hang. Yeah, he couldn't hang. He wanted to be more selective with the way they admitted students into the school, not just his own house, aka racist. I was going to say, uh, that's a very interesting way to say racist. Institutionalized <laughs> like, racism in the, is yeah, what in he the, was aiming for. In the text, the word selective is italicized. Yeah. And I, in my mind, it's Professor Benz being like, and um, Slytherin wanted to be more, and he like pauses because he's trying not to say raci- racist, <laughs> because he's trying to present like a, you know, as unbiased um presentation of this history or whatever so he's like and slytherin wanted to be more selective (laughs) so i am interested to know like how the status of purebloods and like halfbloods has changed throughout the years if there was a point like in like america when it was really really bad for enslaved black people right like obviously i don't think that slavery ever came into the picture but i wonder if they were ever like an equivalent to like jim crow laws or yeah stuff or like, like segregation that. or something yeah. yeah there actually would have been a really interesting thing with slavery because britain did have slaves back in like the 15 1600s i believe muggles would have brought slaves in that would have had the magical abilities so at that point if you're in the magical community you have to like from what we see later on you have to identify magical people and help them out so what happens when you have a slave that doesn't even know what's going on you know i I can only imagine corporal punishment doesn't go well when the subject of the corporal punishment has magical abilities uh correct me if i'm wrong i thought you were when you were bringing up like slavery or something i thought you were saying like i wonder if in the history of the wizarding world was there an equivalent of like how like regular like purebloods treated uh, muggle-borns or were you yeah. okay yeah just like all of it but like just just like to su- su- like round out this conversation i do want to remind everyone that the wizarding world does have slaves and they're called house elves and it's apparently fine let's move on get there yeah <laughs> um looking at looking forward to three little, books little three <laughs> So, okay, uh, okay, okay. So Gryffindor and Slytherin get in a fight, and then Slytherin leaves the school, probably because Gryffindor won that fight, I think we all know. Um, And allegedly, he left behind a chamber sealed in the school that only his heir can open. And as Ben says, there is a, quote, horror within. What a choice of words. I know. Tell a group of children. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we're 12. The It's also, like, beautifully poetic. The horror within. Da-na-na, the horror within Draco Malfoy's <laughs> little bitch heart. <laughs> um, yep, it's a monster. So then Professor Benz like fields some questions, some stupid questions, and then he loses his patience, and then he ruins the moon, and everyone goes back to sleep. <laughs> After class, they are walking around. Ron is talking shit about Slytherin. He's like, I think I'd kill myself if I was a Slytherin. I think I'd rather not be a wither- wizard. I think I'd die. Um, and Harry's like, yikes, I guess I never told you. He thinks this, he doesn't say it out yeah. loud. <laughs> He's like, uh, wow, I, the sorting had definitely wanted to put me in Slytherin. Maybe I'm the heir of Slytherin, even though I definitely didn't do this thing. Um, it's just making him have like a little bit of an identity crisis. So, Does it have happened when you're 12? Yeah, it definitely happens. 
they pass Colin Creevy in the hallway. Colin gets is like too small to go against the flow of traffic in the hall, but he manages to be like, Harry, people are saying you're blah 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 blah. <laughs> um, people are saying we assume that Harry is the heir of Slytherin, which is so stupid. There's no evidence for this at all, except for a wrong place, wrong time. They don't even know he's a parcel mouth yet. <laughs> you just gotta find something to make him out an outsider. I mean, he saved the school last year. We gotta isolate him somehow. Yeah, definitely. And this school does a great job of that. God. I just, all the times that the whole school turns their back on Harry and then he saves them in the end. Man, if I was Harry, I'm trying to think, probably like halfway through year four, I'd be like, fuck it, y'all can all die. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I would get back, I would get back from the, the maze at the end of the Triwizard Tournament and I would just be like, no, everything was fine. Um, Cedric definitely wasn't killed by Voldemort because so, he definitely isn't back. Meanwhile, like, he won and he transcended. He's gone now. Meanwhile, on the inside, I'm like, fine, fucking be killed by Voldemort. <laughs> See if I care. All of you are dead. Yeah. <laughs> All my friends are dead. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's like uh, earlier, in, I think it was earlier in the chapter, Ron's trying to comfort Jenny and is like, don't worry, things like this don't happen here. And it's like, motherfucker, <laughs> you were like, pivotal in all the shit that happened the year before where the professor had Voldemort on the back of his head. <laughs> but you're right, yeah. A cat being petrified, that does, that hasn't happened technically yet. So yeah, maybe it's not as bad as Voldemort on the back of the head. There is no Chamber of Secrets in Passing Oh, so where do they end up? At the scene of the crime. The criminal always returns to the scene of the crime. Remember, um, listeners, uh, towards, I think it was maybe towards the beginning of the episode, Christina was saying how Harry is a dumb boy. These children are so dumb. (laughs) Yeah. Like, let's just poke around a little bit and like, (laughs) <laughs> Everyone already suspects that we murdered a cat, but let's just look around here anyway. Let's, like, this isn't suspicious at all. Um, Don't so, be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. <laughs> so they poke around, which I guess no one else did, or maybe they did, and they're doing something with that information as adults with resources. <laughs> we don't know. Um, they find scorch marks. They find a line of spiders all trying to get out the window. We learn um, that Ron does not like spiders. The, sp- yes. the spiders, they, wa- they want me to top dance. I don't want to top dance. <laughs> oh my god, I love Those are like the little additions to the movies that I love so and fucking then, much. But then Harry's line immediately after, you tell those spiders, Ron. <laughs> He's such a good friend. <laughs> oh, Harry. He's such a good friend. Um, I love it so much. Okay, so Ron doesn't like spiders. He tells us that when he was a kid, Fred turned his teddy bear into a spider and he was traumatized, which I guess must have been an accident because Fred is pretty young. I mean, Fred is not that much older than Ron. I think think it was on purpose. (laughs) But I think it was accidentally. How do you accidentally turn a stuffed animal into a spider? Well, I think, like, child wizards, before they go to school, have outbursts. Like, Harry had a couple moments, um, like, when the bullies were chasing him and he ended up on top of the school and stuff like that. So, I feel like Ron and Fred were in a screaming fight. And 
Fred accidentally did something really bad. I don't know. I feel like Fred wanted to just because it's the nature of Fred and George to always be like prank playing pranks on their siblings. I think Fred wanted to do something to prank uh Ron. He might not have been like, oh, I'm going to turn his his teddy bear into a spider. I think he was just like, I'm going to do something to scare Ron. And that's how that's like, what happened is, you know, yeah. six year old magic came out. That tracks. But yeah. Tracks. Regardless, he is traumatized. Yeah. <laughs> the way um, he says it, too. And all of a sudden, your teddy has too many legs. It's like, oh, oh, God, no. It, it kind no. of shows us, like, why he's scared of spiders. It's like the legs. <laughs> uh, fucking, of course he's afraid of spider. Fo- it's like, okay, I'm sorry. Anyone who has had that happen, <laughs> you're going to fucking freak out around spiders. There is no way that you're just cuddling up next to your favorite stuffed animal and then notice, hey, that's a really long, hairy leg. Hey, there's Ah. another seven of those. Hey, this isn't my favorite warm stuffed animal. This is an insect that with an exoskeleton that is hairy. No, fuck that. Fuck that. Mm -mm. Hairy exoskeleton. Hairy Potter. (laughs) Okay. Um, And then they remember that at the time of the crime there was a bunch of water on the floor. And so they're like, it must have been coming from this bathroom, but it's a girl's bathroom. So Ron's like, ew, toxic masculinity. I'm not going to go into a room that says girls on it, even though it also says out of order. Well, I think it was more of, I don't want to get in trouble. For yeah, I think that too. Yeah. Well, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I got yelled they, at once they for get going in into a, a guy's bathroom. Really? It was Hall- it was Halloween and I was at uh District Five, which was Oh, it was at a bar? Yeah. And District I five? and it was like a there were the only bathrooms that they had available were two because the main ones were being like cleaned or something and they were just like totally trashed and they weren't letting anyone in the other ones. And so they only had like a sit like a single, like a private room. And one was labeled women's and one was labeled men's, except for it was, it, it was like a regular bathroom where you open the door and there's yeah, just a single there's toilet. There's no and a reason sink. that these are gendered. Yeah. And so there was this huge line for the women's room and there wasn't a single guy in the men's room. And I had I, been watching people come I in and out. I too use the men's room in And I, like I was like, fuck that. So I went and went into the men's room. And then when I came out, there was a bouncer there and he yelled at me. <laughs> That is so weird. <laughs> and I was that like, why? So I was like, why does that matter? No one's in there. And the women's, the women's line is a mile long and you've closed the other bathrooms. It's because and he it's was like, D5. I don't care. It's for the men. And I'm like, yeah, that bar is the absolute. D5 worst. is awful. That, that oh, is yeah. the worst no, fucking was, place in the world. I think that was also the last time I was there. So they remember that there was water on the floor when, on the night when Mrs. Norris got petrified. So, Despite Ron's reservations, they go into the girls' toilet because it's out of order. And the reason it's out of order is because that's where Moaning Myrtle lives. And she is a nightmare human. That's being nice. I'm Moaning Myrtle! (laughs) She's kind of like Colin Creevy, where it's like, objectively, I want to feel sorry for you, but you as a person make it so difficult. Like, she is just... And a nightmare. <laughs> she is contrary to popular belief, not 
Daniel Radcliffe in a wig. <laughs> yeah, that the actress definitely looks that way. But she's like she's <laughs> like forty years old. That actress was yeah, like in yeah. her forties when she played she's that role. Incredibly good at what she does. I think I think she probably got cast solely for the voice. On morning muscle. Oh, so good. Um, she's a nightmare. I hate her so much. Every oh, time she opens her mouth. <laughs> a morning Myrtle. Another another thing I I quote a lot from Chamber of Secrets is I would go, I was distraught. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, she really like. I think that that role in the movies is better than in the books. Like, she really mm-hmm. crushed it. She really, like brought it to life. No offense, Moaning Myrtle. I know you're dead. <laughs> dead <Ooh>. as hell. <laughs> Got her. Oh, so she didn't see anything the night that Mrs. Norris got petrified because Peeves upset her so much that she came into the toilet to try to kill herself. And then I remembered that I was, I was already. Dead says Ron. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully is the greatest word that could possibly be there. Because <laughs> just he obviously like really wanted like, dead. Uh, also, dang! Like, what a dark humor joke for J.K. Rowling in a children's book. Let me just kill she, myself. She's like, yeah, the ghost is gonna run into the bathroom and kill herself, but she can't because she's already dead, and that's hilarious. <laughs> Although I did laugh, so <laughs> yeah, you laugh and then you'd be like, "Well, it's not really it's funny." Like Ron Weasley. <laughs> so they're like, "This is terrible. Let's leave." Percy finds them coming out of the girls' room and gets very angry. He um, quote reminded Harry forcefully of Mrs. Weasley, which I love that so much. Okay. He clearly is taking on some of her like disciplinarian tricks. <laughs> Um, he takes five points from Gryffindor for Harry for Ron's lip, which is like so. That's vicious. That's your own house, bro. That's your own brother. Yeah, that's your own bro, <laughs> bro. Well, I think that's why he took the points. Is you know, back at home, you'd be you'd just like wrestle him to the ground and like give him a wedgie or something. <laughs> but Percy would never. Well, I mean, not Percy, but like, you know. Any of his other brothers. When you're siblings, you're like, fine, fuck you, five points from Gryffindor. And then it's like, you're also in Gryffindor, you (laughs) idiot. (laughs) Yeah. Do you think that Percy is overcompensating because he's sneaking around with Penelope Clearwater? I thought that was obvious. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Do you think he is like in this location because he's coming back from a secret? Ooh, uh, what's the word? Ooh, probably rendezvous. Rendezvous. Oh, rendezvous. rendezvous. Yeah, rendezvous. My brain was like rendezvous, and I was like, "That's right." <laughs> <all right." laughs> um, a rendezvous with Penelope Clearwater. Um, yeah, okay. So he's definitely overcompensating. So we all agree. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'll I think it's it also. Out. However, I think it's also just like his personality too like i think it's 50 50 where part of it is like oh i'm sneaking around and i'm breaking the rules by being in this like secret which like i don't know why he thinks they need she like they can't just openly be like oh we're dating whatever you know but i wonder if it's because like as soon as you say you're dating people start like monitoring you you know what i mean Maybe, if people don't, don't know, know you're dating, they're not going to be like, Percy's probably off making out in some classroom. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah I get this. But but I think it's also just 50% like, that's just his, um, his personality. His, his personality. It's his, his MO. 
His ass is so tight. Um, if he stuck a lump of coal up in two weeks, you'd have a diamond. Oh, and then he would finally be of some use to us. <laughs> well, can't can't we all agree that when they talked about their relationship at some point, like you know, Percy gave her a talk where he explained that the politics of it would just be so hard for everyone that it's really <laughs> just like he might get head boy, and that's a big thing. So we've got to make sure that that doesn't get possibly derailed you know percy then- do, you, do you want to get head boy or do you want to just get head <laughs> <laughs> these are your options you can't have both sweetheart uh christina head boy is for life <laughs> so they go to the common room and they spend the night avoiding percy and ron is like it's probably malfoy we always <laughs> think it's malfoy it's probably malfoy this time too um and <laughs> And Harry's like, yeah, great idea. It's probably Malfoy, because fuck that guy, right? He's a racist. Because <laughs> he's a he is a screaming racist. He's screaming slurs. Literally <laughs> openly threatened at the end of the previous chapter. Literally was like, enemies of the air beware, you'll be next mudbloods. I would And then everyone's to- like I think it's Harry that did it, not the guy that openly threatened <laughs> Muggleborns. I would hope in today's society that language like that would get you automatically expelled from school. Nah. Maybe not a private school and definitely not a wizard school where they're all about the throw up. <laughs> so even Hermione is like, okay, he has been yelling slurs. Perhaps it is Malfoy. <laughs> you know, so, he has been even more openly racist recently. You know, he is a little Specifically towards shit. me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hermione's got a... What's the phrase? She's got a, a dog, dog in, this in this fight. fight. Yeah, she's, she's... It's personal. So she says, okay, maybe, but we need proof. And they're like, oh, how are we going to get fucking proof? Wait, hold up. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I, I'm just realizing Malfoy literally shouted mudbloods, didn't he? Yes. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. He openly shouted that in front That's of the entire student saying. body and the teachers. <laughs> yes. And teachers no one, heard that. No teacher was like, the fuck did you just say? That's like, what I'm them, saying. Is Draco the same phrase literally. That later, oh my God. He openly it's, threatened and used a slur. I mean, and everyone was like. <laughs> It's worth noting that I don't think there were any teachers there yet at that time because the feast had just been dismissed. So I think it was only students who witnessed it. I think it was every student in the school, but maybe no one felt comfortable like bringing that information to a teacher. See, that's why we just need some. That's why they need an American. That's why they need an American at Hogwarts, because as soon as the teachers showed up, they would have been like, wait, no one. No one's going to talk about. This is also, like, what year is this? Like, 1994 or whatever. These books are set a while ago, before policing language was really a thing in that way. Yeah. Which, Mm. I'm kind of glad it is now. We all need to hold ourselves and each other accountable for being excellent to each other. That's a Bill and Ted quote. (laughs) Yeah. So... So, they're like, how do we get proof that Malfoy is doing this? Because obviously he is. We just need proof. Hermione very willingly is like, we could do this super against the rules. Probably juice push her. That's like a great idea. I could do that. I've been to school for a year. <laughs> I don't know why she, and that's very bold of her. <laughs> I, I think 
I think Hermione and I both would look at potions the same way because I've always thought if I was, if I was in Hogwarts, I would not ever be worried about a potions class because you're just following the directions. It's like, I, I think that it's the personality trait. I'm not saying I'd be right. I would get, I would fuck this up all the time, but I would go into it like, yeah, I just have to stir it and cut the stuff up and add it. Like you just, it's like with cooking. Like if you show me a recipe, I'll be like, yeah, I can do that. Cookies and then I start doing it. And always I'm like, turn out oh, the way the recipe this. says it should. I was, I was going right. to say. So the the reason I was late getting on to our Zoom <laughs> is because I was cleaning up. So so that's the thing is you 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 go into potions thinking, oh, this is easy. You just follow the directions and the steps. But with but if it, it is very much like cooking, yes. However, you're like, okay, the recipe says to add two teaspoons of cornstarch with two ounces. Okay, well, I got to get the I got to get the measuring cup to get two ounces. And oh, crap, the chicken's burning. Okay, I need to run over and turn that off. And oh, my God, I spilled the pineapple juice everywhere. And oh, my God, the rice is burning and it's stuck to the bottom of the pan. Stir that. Oh, my God, there's oil splattering everywhere. And I don't know where the teaspoon is. Google search. How much is a teaspoon in (laughs) how many spoons is a teaspoon? Yeah. Very cool. The next time you cook, can you like um like live stream it on Instagram or something? <laughs> yeah, I just want like visual of like what is happening in this room. I was gonna say, well, Chaos is what it is. Well and you're right, but like even I, I am I am legitimately thirty years old and I still look at recipes that are way beyond my ability and I still look at them like I, I could I could do that. So I know that if I was a twelve year old and I had to like brew the most ridiculous potion in the world. I'd be like, guys, we just follow the directions. We got this. Well, I would have that unwarranted confidence in this one subject. And unlike you, Hermione's confidence is not unwarranted. (laughs) (laughs) I just think her boldness in breaking the rules is unusual and admirable. So the book that they need to find the recipe for this polyjuice potion is in the restricted section. Your mic always clips when you do that. It's like, nope. Well, I just want to point out that I don't think Okay. No, that, that w- it was deserved. <laughs> we said the name of the podcast. <laughs> so, 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 so. To get into the restricted section, they need a note. And maybe they could argue that they're interested in the theory of Polyjuice Potion, says Hermione. And the chapter ends with, Oh, come on. No teacher's going to fall for that, said Ron. They'd have to be really... Hmm, I wonder what teacher they're going to go to. <laughs> God, just what a great, humorous, again, we hate JK Rowling, but it is a very humorous cut to the next chapter where it's like, very funny. <laughs> and then in Professor Lockhart's classroom. <laughs> spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Yeah. All spoilers, all the time. Well, that's the end of the chapter. Was there anything that we didn't get to that y'all want to go touch on before we wrap it up? Um, so it occurred to me reading this chapter, I'd never really thought about it before, but what exactly is Voldemort's end game here? 
Like, what is his goal here with the with the basilisk and the chamber of secrets and the possess possessing Ginny? And it's like, sure, you're trying to kill off Muggleborns, but in the most inefficient way possible. You're not even killing them; you're just petrifying them. Like, what what's what's the goal here, Voldemort? What what are your aspirations with this scheme? So I, I, I've got a theory on this one. Um, it, it's multiple things going together at once. First of all, I don't think... Voldemort did not want it to happen this way. He did not want his diary to end up with a random person at Hogwarts. That is the last thing that he wanted. Yeah, he wanted remember, it to these, be like, protected. Yeah, these Horcruxes were supposed to be kept incredibly safe. So I think that what you're seeing is Lucius Malfoy is like, well, I don't know what this was, but I haven't seen... Voldemort in forever, let's go ahead and get rid of it. And so he like passes it off at the same time he's getting ready for these raids. And so I think what he's probably doing is thinking, I'm going to give this to the Weasley, and then they're going to have something that was obviously important to Voldemort. So it's gotta be dark and awful. So if they raid if they end up raiding the borough, then all of a sudden Arthur is in trouble. At the same time, that Horcrux is trying to get enough strength, but how the hell are you gonna do that? unless you can get down into the physical chamber. And Ginny does not have a way to get in there because she doesn't speak Parselmouth. So it's him, I think, trying to get enough control of her that he can then not just communicate to the Basilisk, but get the Basilisk to open the chamber so that it can then they can then go down. Because the Basilisk is trying to find a way out, I think, the entire time. It's going through all those pipes to try and find a way out of the castle. So the end game here is just releasing the basilisk to wreak havoc. (laughs) I think the basilisk is, it's an ends to a mean. If you can get the basilisk to open the chamber, then you can get in the chamber where you have enough time and privacy to get the transfer. Because remember, there's the transference thing that's happening at the end where the Horcrux is slowly taking over Jenny. So this is like the Horcrux trying to come to bring Voldemort back to life by using what spirit is in the Horcrux, the strongest Horcrux mathematically. I found mm-hmm. this thing on Twitter today, uh-huh. where if you split mm-hmm. your heart in half, this was the first half. And then the next half yeah. was only a quarter. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the, so it's like the ring. It's like yeah. trying to get to like the place where it belongs. And it's innately tied to a younger version of Voldemort too. It is okay. tied to Tom Riddle, like- not to Voldemort. Voldemort. Okay, so, so Voldemort's goal here is to come back looking hot. Got it. Yeah. Well, it, it's always I'm to come back, it. but it's just like <laughs> it's a good. Tom it's Riddle a good. In the yeah. movie, is so hot. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's, very, yeah, he's, he's, he's very a good looking cat and yeah. severe, and I'm into it. Do you think like the Basilisk was trying to kill like the Muggleborns, or was that just, or did he like go out when he knew that there would be some form of reflection of some sort that he wouldn't kill them? Or do you I, think he was trying to get Moaning Myrtle every single time? <laughs> no, no, I, I think that what was Myrtle? happening is, I think that, I mean, going around, the water was there because the pipes, that's like the, the thing. It, it, what, it was just by chance. But he is going out when everyone's supposed to be at a feast. So everyone's supposed to be at dinner, and that's when he's going out. I think he's trying to avoid getting students because he doesn't, he's not close enough at that point to get the chamber open. Well, she has to have already been in the chamber if yeah. the basilisk is out. She's the say, one who like let it. The basilisk doesn't mm-hmm. let itself out. And the message what? on the on the wall says the chamber of secrets has been opened. Has been opened. <laughs> yeah. 
But just because it's been open doesn't mean she's been down there. Yeah, I'm not sure she's been down there. I think she probably just opened it for the basilisk. There, we do definitely not have enough information, but I think right. we can move on from this. <laughs> I think there's a lot of good questions here for us to continue to look for evidence for throughout the rest of this book. <laughs> That's just one of my favorite questions to ask every now and then when I'm reading a book is, is to just stop and be like, okay, but villain, what is the goal? What's the end game? Here? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's a good question to ask. And if you can't really answer it, if there isn't really an answer, then the author did a bad job. And it's okay if their only goal is to take over the tri-state area. Uh, <laughs> I love that show. Phineas <laughs> and Ferb. Yes. Okay, so... Doofenshmirtz Evil Incorporated. That used to be my text tone. Doofenshmirtz Evil Incorporated. Let's move on to some plugs. Andrew, do you want to go first? Sure. So I, I've just really been needing some distraction from reality for the last week. And went back and rewatched all, rewatched and re-listened to all of Patton Oswalt's uh, specials. CDs and uh, video specials. And man... Just a lovely, lovely comedian. Absolutely hysterical. Aw. Yeah. Horrible. Like, the old stuff is so horribly raunchy and rude, but it, it's fantastic. So I'm going to plug anything by Patton Oswald. Nice. Mary Clay, how about you? Yeah, well, as always, you can listen to my podcast, That's What I'm Talking About, uh, every Tuesday. And um, we're almost done with Return of the King, so it's a very exciting time. And, uh, plug. I'm like, what have I been doing with my time recently? <laughs> yeah. Um, watch, uh, The Umbrella Academy. That's a good, that's a good show. And season two came out a couple weeks ago now at this point, but, uh, I really enjoy that show and it's, it's a good show. <laughs> that's all I can say about it. It is a very good show. That was one of my recent plugs and it's Whoops. very good. No, that's, <laughs> it's good. It's good. I was like, should I plug it again today? And then I was like, no, 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 stop, stop, stop. How about you, Claire? I'm a host to the podcast Forgot to Unpack about being a child of divorce and like how it affects life afterwards. And yeah, I don't know. I've been rewatching Phineas and Ferb this week. What a good show. <laughs> it's so good. It's just so like cheerful and like optimistic. That's awesome. So as always, I've been your host, Christina. You can follow me on Instagram at your girl of the world. You can follow me on Twitter at Tina Fontina. This week, I'm going to plug a clothing line. A friend of a friend just launched their clothing line um, last week, and it's called Misfit XXL. That's Misfit with two T's. You can find them on Facebook or you could just Google them. And um, it's like mostly just like social justice themed t-shirts and it's called Misfit XXL, and their tagline is because one size doesn't fit all. They don't charge extra for like uh really for like bigger sizes. And I'm reading from their website. A large selection of merchandise is solely dedicated to support supporting important causes such as Art 180, the Richmond Community Bail Fund, ACLU Virginia, and the Trans Justice Funding Project. So they're sassy T-shirts basically that say clever social justice things, and the profits go to a good cause. So that's Misfit. XXL Misfit 2Ts. It's MisfitXXL.com. Link is in the show notes. I would definitely check them out for your future t-shirt needs. 
As always, you can find the podcast on Instagram at Restricted Section Pod. You can find us on Twitter at Restricted Pod. You can find us at patreon.com slash the restricted section. You can find us on Facebook. We have a Facebook page, the Restricted Section Podcast, and we also have a group, the Restricted Section Detention Crew, and that is where the memes go. So definitely hit us up on all those places. You definitely want to join our Patreon because we're planning some really fun bonus episodes coming up. I have a lot of really fun bookmark ideas, and we have a ton of really just like exclusive, amazing goodies going on there. So get a little butt over to Patreon. Sign up for at least the tier where you get bonus episodes. But if you're in the top tier, you get to have happy hours with the gang over Zoom because we're in a plague. So that's fun. (laughs) So hop on that. And Claire, thank you so much for coming on. It was a pleasure having you. Oh, yeah, this is really fun. Just like being here and just talking. Nerding out about Harry Potter. It brings people together. So thanks, everyone. And for now, fuck off. Hi, everyone. The Restricted Section was created and hosted by me, Christina Kahn, based on the book series by J.K. Rowling. All music by Ryan Kahn. Logo by Michael Hardison. Technical support from Sean Watson. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at RestrictedSectionPod or shoot us an email at RestrictedSectionPod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts, feelings, complaints, conspiracy theories, or lavish praise. Those fictional crushes, they stay with you. It doesn't matter if you grow old, they grow old with you.